following message is from Christian Life Austin. For more information about Christian Life, visit clcaustin.com. Thank you for listening. Come on, what's going on, church family? Hey, it's Sunday, which means a lot of things, but the best thing is that it means it's the best day of the week because it's church day. And I know, listen, I know people say Friday is the best day of the week because it's leading up to the weekend, but y'all, there's just nights where I can't, I don't sleep well on Saturday nights because I'm so fired up to get to church, to hang out with some amazing people, to grow in my faith with all of you, and what a joy, I'm telling you, it is it is such an honor to see you in church today. The weather, let's talk about the weather for a second. Anybody like the weather? How many of you are already tired of the cold? Let's be honest. Come on, slip your hand up. We got a couple people. Oh, Lord. No, we could do this forever. This weather is so amazing. And really, to see that there's so much to do in our amazing city. Um, and you could be out doing a lot of different things, but the fact that you said, you know what, we're going to place a high value on bringing our family to church um, means, means so much to us, but really it means, it means more to your family, <laughs> and it means more to your kids than they will ever be able to express to you, because what you are instilling in them right now um, is impactful for eternity. Uh, let me, I just, I need to, I need to make this statement. If you're really spiritual, you're going to love this. This is going to hit you really hard. If you've been looking for something really deep today, um, this is for you. For all my Longhorn friends, <laughs> you will be included in the altar call at the end of our time together today to pray for a broken heart. I do have to give some love to my Aggie friends that are in the house today. Man, yeah, hey, simmer down, simmer down. <laughs> just kidding, I'm just kidding. Uh, man, you guys look good the last couple weeks. I, I'm, I don't, the only thing I like about the Aggies are you, okay? Like, I, I don't like the, I'm not, I'm not a, but wow, I have, to, I have to just, I have to give credit where credit is due. Um, to all of my Oklahoma Sooner friends, Let's be honest, I don't have any friends that are Oklahoma Sooners. <laughs> I'm kidding, I'm kidding. You guys looked okay too, but it's an awesome day to be with you in church. We're going to dive into the Word of God. Obviously, Pastor Johnson is not here today. You, I know you missed his fist bump or hug. He and his sweet wife, Patty, were able to slip out of town for a couple of days. And so we're glad that they're getting refreshed. He'll be back in church on Wednesday night. Um, but I, I want to start with, with this question. Have you ever found yourself... Now, this isn't real English, so if, if you like proper English, you're not going to like this statement, but this just fits, the, fits what we're talking about today. Have you ever found yourself in a situation? You know what I'm talking about? Like, it's not just your average situation. The only way you, you just have to make up a word. Like, this is a situation that like, woo! Like a big situation. And you know what's funny is about, uh, about these situations is a lot of times we make bad situations worse. <laughs> I know you're talented. I know you're smart. I know you got it all together. But a lot of times when you find yourself in a situation, we find ourselves digging ourselves into a bigger hole than what we're currently in. And we're going to talk a little bit about this today. And I, I, okay, let's talk about it. Let me give you a little sneak peek into our family dinner a couple, uh, this was really last week. 
And we're sitting at the dinner table one evening. I don't even remember what we were eating, but if my wife cooked, it was amazing because she always cooks amazing brownie points. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so for those of you that don't know, Cassie and I have three children, Windsor, who just turned 11, Caroline, who just turned 8, and our little baby girl, uh, Ellery, who is 5. We were sitting around the dinner table, and we're at the age where, like, they need to know manners, right? You know, kids don't just get manners. You have to teach manners. My wife is so much better about this than I am. Some, I don't really remember, you know, to, to teach that stuff. She, she's amazing. I'm like, let's just eat food. Let's pray for it. Let's eat it. Just thank Jesus for food, right? But she's been on this, this kick about manners. And, like, my children have a habit. I'm telling you, Lord, help us. I'm sorry. My wife's going to kill me for probably telling you this. But they chew with their mouth open. I'm like, listen, bro, I don't need to see what you're eating. I'm, I'm, I'm looking at it on the plate. I don't need to see it in your mouth either. Just close your mouth. We don't want no smacking, man. Let's go. Get it together. Why are your feet on the table? Because daddy does it. No, that's the wrong answer. You cannot say that. Get your elbows off the t- Why are you holding the fork like this? No, we hold it like, like you're a proper human being. Come on. Wait, have you heard this? Were you raised in a barn? I heard that growing up. I don't know. Mom, you raised me. You tell me. No, I didn't say that. Uh-uh. But this last week, we were having a wonderful just time around the table, just goofing off. And my five-year-old, to know Ellery, she is the just super quiet. She's very meek, very um, just not, she's not loud. She doesn't want to be the center of attention. Just this sweet little girl out of nowhere. When I say nowhere, I mean nowhere. She lets out the loudest, and I should say belch because it's proper, but this was no belch. This was a a massive burp, y'all. I mean, just like, I mean, what? Everybody just stopped and was like, what just happened? Y'all, I'm not talking about a five-year-old burp. I'm talking about like a 40-year-old grown human who had just had four big reds burp. You know what I'm talking like just like and it just never ended. It just kept going. Like what is happening? And you can imagine what what transpired next. My sweet, gracious, loving bride just proceeds to let Ellery have it. And she deserved it, let me tell you. Now, now you know, like that Jeremiah talks about this fire shut up in my bones. Well, if you don't know my wife, she, she had a little fire shut up in her bones, and it was seeping out that night, okay? It was, she, was, she was giving Ellery an earful, and the other kid, like it's that moment when you're not supposed to laugh, but you can't really help it. Like this was the other two kids. They were losing it. I mean, they were like, oh, this is amazing. This is so great. Ellery just did this. It's normally us, but it's her this time. And she's getting it, and she's trying not to laugh, bless her heart, but it was hysterical. And me, being the grown, mature father of the house, I'm sitting in my chair doing my best not to laugh. You know those moments where you're biting your cheeks? 
You're like, mm, you, you cannot laugh right now. This is the absolute worst time to laugh. And I'm trying not to make eye contact with my two kids because I know if I catch Windsor or Caroline's eye, it's going to be over. And then out of nowhere, I catch their eye and I can't help it. I lose it. I, 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 the enemy came and attacked me and I gave in to temptation. And I lost it, y'all. We ro- we ro- everybody laughed at the table except my wife. And let me tell you who got in trouble next. <laughs> I made a bad situation, situation, worse, way worse, way, way worse. So the question is, let me ask you this today. Why is it that we have the propensity when we find ourselves in a situation why do we so often make it worse? This is, this is not true just for us and our uh, belching situation. This is, this is true for us when we find ourselves in seasons of life that when we, we don't even know how we got there or maybe we got there on our own. It doesn't really matter. That most often we tend to make situations worse with our effort. And, and here's what I propose to you today. I think here's one of the reasons why this happens. It's because most of the messes that we make, whether, whether you were married into a mess or you dated your way into a mess or maybe you inherited a mess, but most messes come with a lot of bad options. Messy situations have a lot of bad options surrounding them, and the bad options are generally the ones closest to the messy situation. You know what I'm saying? Like you're in the middle of a messy situation. It seems like there's a bad option here. Even if there's a good option, it's way over there. Like it's hard to get to. It's way more convenient to get to the bad option, right? To, to try to, 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 oh, here's, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I'll just borrow more. You just reach and grab that. Oh, I'll just, I'll lie more to get myself out of this situation and try to cover it up, right? I'll, I'll hide the evidence. I'll make up a story. Because there's always some really bad options that comes with some bad situations that we find ourselves in. And today, here's what I really want to help you do. I feel like one of the, the things that the Lord has placed in my life, just something that I... I'm so passionate about um, talk, e- e- really from, from student ministry on, I feel like this has just been a, um, something I, I feel like I've preached about a lot because it's so important to me. And I think it's because I see so many people make the mistake time and time and time again. But I want to I help you lay the shovel down from the situation that you've been digging yourself deeper in And I want to help your thought process. I want to help you change the way that you think. I want you to lay the shovel down. And I want you to stop making a bad situation worse. And I want to figure out how we can can get out of the mess that maybe you made on your own or the mess that you inherited or the mess that you married your way into. And to do that, I want to take you to uh, an amazing Old Testament story found in 1 Samuel chapter 24. But really... The story begins before that. Uh, The story begins when David is just a young boy, when the prophet Samuel shows up to his home one day and tells his dad, hey, listen, I'm about to anoint one of your sons um, as the king. And it turned out that it would be 
it would be David. And I'm going to walk us through this story today, and we're going to pull some, some highlights out that I think are going to help us in this journey. But here, here's the problem about anointing a king is that they already had a king, right? It's not like the king was, was dead. No, 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 there, there was already a king. And so now, now they would have two kings, supposedly, here. Two, two kings. They had the adult, full-grown human king. And then, then they had this young boy that has just been anointed king. We've got Saul and we've got David who would go back to tending his father's sheep. And, and one day, you know the story as I kind of highlight the life of David here. Uh, one day, David went to visit his brothers who were serving in Israel's army and he sees Goliath. He sees this, this foe that nobody wanted to face. And David says to himself, well, man, I, I've, I've tended a lot of sheep. Man, there's been bear that have come against me. Nah, I took care of the bear. The lions that have come, to get, come against me. And I took care of that. They didn't. You? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you are standing and, oh, yeah, I can take care of you, too. And so he does that. You know, you know the story. He, he kills Goliath. And when, here's the thing about stories in the Word of God, and you, you have to allow them to saturate your soul. If you're not careful, you'll, you'll hear stories or read stories in the Word of God that maybe you've heard hundreds and hundreds of times, and you won't really, you won't let it sink in. But I want this story to come alive to you today, because imagine being in this situation that, that once David kills Goliath, David becomes an overnight sensation, right? You can imagine, like, your, your biggest enemy, this teenage boy, comes out of nowhere, steps up, and takes down the biggest thing standing in your way. Everybody is now talking about, da- he's the talk of the town, in a good way and in a bad way. All the, the older guys are like, who's this young punk coming in, trying to Take, all, you, take our spotlight. What are you doing? I don't know. I don't know where that acts. I don't even know. That, that is so weird, y'all. Forgive me. All the girls are like, oh, you see David? Look at David. Go, David. Everybody. They're all talking about David, but guess who they're not talking about? Saul. Not at all. And as a bit of time would go by, it don't. It doesn't take long for whispers to start becoming louder and louder. Hey, this is, uh, yeah, this king, this, 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 ooh, this is the guy that we might need to get behind. And once again, you put yourself in this story, Saul begins to realize, wow, I've got a problem on my hands. And he's, he's trying to figure out he can, how he can make all of this work and work out to his benefit, right? How he can, he can come out on top from all of this. And he tries to figure out a way how he can control David uh, to make this situation not get any worse for him. And so what he does, he says, I'm going to try to set one of my daughters up to marry David. And maybe I can kind of keep my thumb on him and I can control him through this situation. And y'all, this is, this is crazy. I'm telling you, let this story sink in and you got to see how it all plays out. So, so he goes to David and says, hey, I want you to marry into my family. What an honor, by the way, that would have been in that day and age for the king to want you to marry in to the king's family. And watch how David responds. David, in essence, says, oh, King Saul, what an honor. What an honor to even be 
considered, but I'm just a lowly shepherd boy from a family that, that really has no authority or power or any say. So we're, we're really not that big of a deal. I, I, I mean, no, you, you would, surely you've got the wrong guy for this. I'm not worthy. I am not worthy to marry your daughter and to marry into your family. And the word gets out of David's response because nobody, nobody says no to the king. David says no, but in such a way that everybody is blown away with his humility. Who is this guy? This humble young man, this warrior that he said, I'm not worth, and he comes, people are talking about him even more now. Like Saul's plan backfired on him in David's name. Everybody's like, this is such an amazing guy. Like who would do this, really? I mean, we love this guy, wow. And you can see how the plan is, is not coming to fruition like Saul would want it to, to come out. And so, so everybody is now, you know, he's the talk of the town even more. David gets more popular while Saul gets more jealous. And then again, this time one of Saul's daughters actually does fall in love with David. And so he's like, hey, we're going to try this. <laughs> we're going to try this again. Let's see if I can control him through maybe marrying this daughter. And David this time says, you know what? I, I think I, I can go with this. I, I think, I, yes, I, I, will marry, I will marry your daughter. And in this day and age, there was always a price for the bride, I mean the groom to pay to marry uh, the bride. And so Saul says, Saul tells him, and you, you're familiar with the story, but he says the, the price is not a dollar amount. I don't need your money. I got plenty of money, but here's what I want. This is where it gets good. He says, I want, I want you to kill a hundred Philistines. That's the price. I, I want you to march over there and kill a hundred Philistines. And his thinking is, listen, I know this is not possible. There's no way he's going to march over there and take out a hundred of them. This is no, this is, see, he's controlling. He's saying, listen, I'm not going to lay a hand against him. In fact, he says, I'm not going to raise a hand against him. I'm going to let the Philistines do that. This is an amazing passage of scripture because David doesn't just kill 100, but in fact, he would kill 200 and he would bring the evidence back. And in chapter 18, verse 29 Saul became even more afraid of David. And watch what this says. And he remained his enemy for the rest of his days. Maybe this is similar to what you're walking through. David had a mess on his hands. And the unique thing about David's mess, and this is why it's so relevant to us, is that he had a massive mess on his hands, but this mess wasn't even his fault. Everything he would do seemed to make things worse. And it's not like a, a lot of the messes that I make and a lot of the messes that you make sometimes. Any decision he made made things worse. And so he's in a bad situation and he's like, man, how much worse can this get? Finally, things escalate to the point where one afternoon Saul completely loses it. And in verse 10, he picks up a spear or a javelin and he tries to murder David in the palace, which would, which would cause Davis, David to leave the palace and, and to run for his life and to head to the desert. 
And from that point on, Saul was out to kill David. And so David flees the city and he goes to the wilderness to basically hide. And he gathers some, some people around him. And, and the story begins to, to gain some momentum here. Because Saul is now returning from battle with the Philistines. His men, you can imagine, after, after a battle, they're bloody. They're tired. They're, they're ready to go home and see their family. They're ready for a good meal. They've lost friends. When, when someone gallops up on a horse and says... Chapter 24, verse number 1, Saul, Saul, we've spotted David and his men, and we think we've got them cornered. And Saul says, oh, yeah, this is, this is it. This is the moment we've been waiting for. This is, this is our opportunity to take care of. This is going to allow my plan to work out just the way. I know I'm in a mess, but this is the answer to my mess. This is how things get better for me. Chapter 24, verse 3. This is the immature part of me. This makes me laugh so hard. He came talking about Saul. He and his men come to the sheep pens along the way and a cave was there and I guess he had been riding too long and had too much water on the journey that Saul calls a time out to all of his men he says listen y'all I got to go to the cave the world's first porta potty I got to go to the restroom, fam. Time out. I'm sorry. It's like your kid's on a road trip. We're almost home. Can you not make it, please? So he goes, he goes to the cave. Nature calls to take care of business, and he, he makes everybody wait. You can imagine as he walks up the path to this cave, and everybody's sitting there. Oh, please, we're, we're close. I just want to get home. I'm so tired. Makes his way up the trail. And wouldn't you know, wouldn't you know that David and his men happened to be in the very cave that Saul walks into to use the restroom? Moral of the story, be careful where you use the restroom. Just kidding. That's not the moral, that's not the moral of the story. Y'all are going to walk in your restroom today and be looking behind the door. <laughs> What's happening? So David and his closest men are hiding in the very cave that Saul has just walked into. And, and imagine this. Imagine what's going through David's mind. Oh, if God has ever done a miracle for me, he has just delivered the man who has been trying to kill me. He has just brought him on a silver platter before me. This is going to be my moment. God, you have opened up a door for me. And watch what his men actually said in chapter 24, verse 4. They said, this is the day the Lord spoke of when he said to you, I will give your enemy into your hands to deal with as you wish. This is what we've been waiting for. We can take care of business. You can, we can end all of this. You can be king. Boom. Let's go. Probably didn't have that part in there. And David gets caught up in the emotion of it. You can, oh, yeah. Everybody around him, tell him, talking him up. Let's go, let's go, let's do this. And David decides to do to Saul as Saul was going to do to him. Nobody would blame me. You're trying to kill me. This is my opportunity. Nobody would think I was unjust in this. Everybody knows you've been out to get me. And, and, and pause the story for just a moment. I, I told you this whole story to get to this part right here. 
And this is what I want you to understand because this is so opposite of what the world would teach us and tell us. Have you ever, have you ever thought about this? At the root of most of the situations that you find yourself in, the root of most of those is a breakdown in virtue. Now stay with me. I know this is not a rah-rah, clappity, but I want, you to, I want you to catch this. The root of most of the messes that you find yourself in, maybe the mess that you married into or you created on your own or that you accidentally got yourself into is a breakdown in virtue. What is virtue? Virtue is integrity. It's honesty. It's patience. It's self-control. It's goodness. And when you peel away the layers of the situation that you've gotten yourself into, I would, I would posit more often than not that the reason that you're in that situation is because of a breakdown of virtue. If, listen, if you ignore virtue, and this is so rampant in this day and age, when the world would say to cut corners in every aspect of your life, whether it's the business world, whether it's financial, whether it's relational, whether it's spiritual, cut the corner and do the easiest thing. Come on, listen. If you ignore virtue, you will make a mess of your situation. If you ignore virtue, you will eventually make a mess. And here's what you have to understand is that another failure in virtue doesn't clean up the first failure in virtue. You don't reach for another bad option after you've already chose the first bad option. You don't reach for more water when you're trying to clean up a flood. Right? Every mess, here's the problem though. Every mess comes with some really attractive options. And as I said earlier, they're the options that are easiest to get a hold of. And they feed into that, that sinful nature of us, right? That me nature, that what's going to be best for me? What is it? What's going to make my situation better right now? What lie can I tell to get me out of the situation that I'm in now without thinking five years down the road how it's going to affect me? What choice am I going to make when I'm having that conversation of, with the opposite sex at work and I'm married? How, how far can I take this conversation? Well, it's fun and it's, it's flirty. I'm not doing, oh, oh, really, really? I'll just send this email. It won't be a big deal. I'll just friend you on Facebook. I'll just get in your DMs here. We'll just, yeah, we'll just talk a little bit. No, no big deal. We just went to high school. Yeah, I mean, come on. Oh, yeah. Breakdown in virtue. Breakdown in virtue. Decision after decision. Watch this. This is exactly where David found himself. The Bible said in verse 4 that David crept up unnoticed. David is a warrior. He knows what he's doing in this situation. David could have taken him out without Saul even knowing what hit him. He crept up unnoticed. And as he's creeping up, something dawns on him. And this is what I hope happens to many of us today in this room, that you have this moment before you make that decision, before you, before you cross the line where you, there's no going back, before you choose the wrong option. I, I, I want the same thing that happened to David to happen to you. He has this, uh, this thought that says, oh, yeah, oh, I want to do this so bad. Oh, you don't know how bad I want to do this. I do not like this person. You try to kill me. Ma. 
want to, but no, wait, 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 hang on, no, no, no. I'm about to make a bad situation so much worse if I do what I feel like I want to do. I'm about to murder the king, y'all. I'm about to assassinate my king. I'm about to murder God's king. I'm about to kill my father-in-law. I'm about to kill my wife's daddy and my children's grandfather. What in the world am I thinking? I know what everybody around me is trying to influence me and tell me what to do. But come on, i got to stand on my own two feet. i got to have some clarity of thought here and say, wait, 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 wait. Is this the wise, godly thing for me to do in this moment? If I murder the king, this is, this is where we miss it. And if I preach one thing to our students when I was the youth pastor, what seems like a lifetime ago for eight years, this was, this was the thought that I felt like I preached so much. That if I murder the king, this will be my story forever. What do you want your story to be? What story are you writing today? Because the choice that you're about to make could label you in others' minds for a long time. The choices that you make, instead of killing Saul, he stoops down and cuts a corner off of Saul's robe. (laughs) And it bothered him to even do that. Because this is the Lord's anointed, and it's like attacking the king himself, just, just cutting anything attached to the king. Verse 5 says, afterwards David was conscience-stricken for having cut off a corner of his robe. And he said to his men, the Lord forbid that I should do such a thing to my master. The Lord's anointed, or lay a hand on him, for he is anointed of the Lord. He's telling them, guys, I know what you wanted me to do, and I know what felt right and felt good in the moment. But it is not my responsibility to replace what God has already put in place. And here, here's how forward thinking he was. And this is what I'm trying to push us towards. He said this, I don't want to become king this way. I don't want to get to where God wants me to be by getting there this way. This is not the story that I want to write. So Saul has finished taking care of business. And he makes his way out of the cave back down to where his men are, and watch what the text tells us here. You have to imagine the emotion of this moment. This would be crazy. Chapter 24, verse 8. Then David went out of the cave. David's standing at the edge of the cave, looking down. Imagine, over all the men, over Saul. David says, Hello! Hey! What in the world? Is that who? Yes, King Saul, it's me. It's David, your son-in-law. And everybody in Saul's army immediately knew what had just happened. Here's what Samuel says happened next. Verse 10. David's speech. This is what he's he's talking at the edge of this, this cave. He said, this day you've seen with your own eyes how the Lord delivered you into my hands. Some even urged me to kill you. I spared you. I chose virtue. This is unbelievable. This is, is, he said, I said to them, the people around him, I said to them, I will not lay a hand on my Lord because he is the Lord's anointed. Listen, 
You may not be acting like the Lord's anointed right now. I may not like you very much. It may not seem like the easiest thing to do. I may want to have done it, but I am going to choose virtue because I'm not going to replace what God has put in place. He says something that is just so powerful here in verse 12, and it's so important. He says this standing at the edge of the cave. He says, may the Lord, may the Lord judge between you and me. I'm not your judge, Saul. May the Lord avenge the wrongs you have done to me because you have absolutely wronged me. Don't, don't make, I'm not shying away from that. No, no, no. You've messed me over, but my hand will not touch you. In this moment, I'm opting for virtue instead of hurting you. I wanted to hurt you, but I'm not going to hurt you. I choose virtue in this moment. And I, listen, I wonder what it would look like. I am so, I'm so passionate about this. I wonder if husbands and wives every day would wake up saying, listen, I'm going to choose virtue today. In a world full of temptation, I'm going to choose virtue today. I wonder what students, teenagers that are in the room today, young adults that are in the room today, where you're, you are being bombarded by people saying you need to live your life this way and you need to live by what feels good to you. I wonder what would happen if we had a bunch of people in Austin, Texas that said, you know what, I'm going to opt for virtue instead of what everyone else is trying to get me to live and look like. I choose virtue. crazy because in that day and age people's lives didn't really matter bloodshed was so rampant so for for David to not kill him was just mind-blowing to everyone so Saul responds back to David basically saying this in verse 17 today it's evident to all of us that you are a better man than me and he turns back and heads to Jerusalem. And watch this, y'all. Watch. Watch this. This is so crazy. Seven chapters later. Seven chapters later, a random Philistine arrow pierces Saul's armor. And he dies. And David becomes the king of Israel. Seven chapters later. Every mess Every mess that you've made, right outside of the circle of your mess are a bunch of options. And the closest and the easiest options are generally more bad options. So I'm asking you today, what would it look like? What would it take for you to look beyond what might be the only thing you can reach for right now and say, no, I'm not going to reach for that. No, 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 this is, this is, I'm not, I'm not going to make it worse by reaching for another bad option, but I'm going to, I'm going to stretch a little, I know it's, oh, I know I want to get the promotion by talking bad about them, oh, they're such a jerk, and I could, oh, I could, mm, I could get them, and then I could have the position, yeah, and then, then your kids would say, dad, how did you get to be the CEO of that company? Oh, and you, chances are, you would reach for another bad option. You would make a little story up and justify what happened. No, 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 that's not the story that we're going to have. Would you stand with me? Here's, here's the story. Here's the story that we're going to choose. 
son, it may, whoo, there were so many obstacles in my road. You wouldn't even believe it if I tried to tell you everything. And your mom and I, I'm married to such an amazing, I love your mama. You know that, son, I love your mom. I'm just, I'm just picturing what a conversation could look like. Son, we prayed. And I almost, man, I almost, I almost, I could have. In fact, it was, it was what I wanted to do, and it seemed to do. People around me were like, yeah, you should do this. I'm like, oh, this is your opportunity. But there was something, son, and this is, this is what I want to teach you for later in your life. Could have, but there was something that said no. There's a better option. There's a better, there's a better choice. And I don't even know how we did it. Just I'm so passionate about the conversations and the way that we're leading our children in this day and age. And I wonder how their lives could be so much better if we had parents today, and you're doing an amazing job, but if we, we continue to choose virtue when we raise them because they're watching you, they're watching how you treat your spouse. They know if you're plugged in when you get home. They know, they know more than you think they know. They may not tell you they know it, but they know it and they notice it and they see it. And I wonder what would happen if you would choose virtue in every facet of your life. You want the best teaching tool to have for your kids? You can say, sweetheart, man, it was so hard. I know. I know the world says sex before marriage is amazing. And trust me, sweetheart, it is. But doing it God's way. I don't even know how we were able, I, I can't even tell you. But doing it God's way was so amazing. Come on, son, I know, I know you're tempted by so many things in this world to look at so many things, but I'm telling you, if you will choose the right thing, the virtuous thing in this moment, you will, not, you will never regret making the wise, godly choices in your life. And here's where I feel like many of us are today. You know what, this is so off script, but I got a friend that's sitting right here. Joey, would you wave your hand at everybody, Joey? We were talking before church. Joey celebrated six years clean yesterday. <laughs> And I'm proud of you, bro. Man. It's amazing when you have great people around you and you say, you know what, this time, I know it's hard. It's difficult, but I'm going to choose to do the right thing. And God has honored, jo Joey is six years clean. He said, and Pastor Brad, I got to tell you, this church has been a part of my journey for the five and a half of those years. Come on, can we give it up one more time for the goodness of God? And here's what I believe about you. Are you ready? This is, this is so powerful. Some of you are on the edge of a decision and your six years 
is just right on the other side of that decision. Can you make the virtuous decision that will lead to six years of being sober or whatever that is for you? There, you're, on the, you're on the edge. Some of you have a, have a situation that you're dealing with right now that you've got a decision that you have to make this week. I don't know if it's family. I don't, know, I, I don't pretend to know that. I, just, I have a feeling in my spirit right now. And the decision that you make will set the course for the rest of your life. And I'm just believing right now that God is going to give you exactly what you need. To whether it's to walk into that family member, walk into that conversation, walk into the office and to make the wise godly choice. And you're going to have a testimony. It may not be one week from that decision. It may come six years later, but you're going to be able to say, there was a day that I started making the wise, godly choices in my life, and I started stacking those choices on top of each other. And son, that's how we got here. The wise, godly decision right after another and then I made another oh sure I fell and messed up I hadn't been perfect but God's helped us and I believe he's going to help you today every head bowed every eye closed if you're in the room today I wonder if you could be really transparent and really honest for just a moment you're standing at the valley of decision and you've got to make a decision and you have a feeling that this decision that you make may not be easy, but it could set you up or tear you down. It, it, it could set you on a path. If that's you, nobody looking around, I just want to know who to pray for. Would you slip your hands up right now? Yeah. Wow. Wow. If your hand's not raised, here's what I would ask for you to do. Come on, we're, we're all on the same team here. I wish that, that you would begin to pray for your brothers and sisters that are in the valley of decision. As I pray, I wish that you would open. Don't, don't check out now. Come on, there's some people in the house that need some strength. They need some supernatural strength from God, but they also need some strength from their brothers and sisters that said, hey, we're in this together and we can, we can make it through this. Would you help us pray right now? Lord, I thank you. I thank you for a moment where your presence is in this room. God, I pray for my friends today. God, I know there's decisions right before us. And I pray. I pray that you would give them the courage and the strength not to reach for the easy, convenient thing, but to reach for the right, godly thing. Because, Lord, when, when we follow after you, even when it hurts right now, even when it doesn't bring us the promotion right now, even when it brings about hard conversations right now, in the end, it is always so much better to do the right thing with you. And God, I just want to give you honor right now. I want to give you honor and say thank you 
for giving my friends the strength and the courage to make those choices this week. When they are standing at the crossroad of decision, I thank you for the wisdom that you are going to just remind them, just like David in that moment, oh, 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 wait, no, 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 what am I doing? This is, I, I can't, this I'm, it's not my place to take out what the king has already put here, what God has put here. No, 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 no. This is not the story that I want to write. And God, I give you honor today for so many people that choose virtue, that choose to do the wise, godly thing, because it's always better. For it's in Jesus' name I pray. And everybody said amen. amen. Come on, can you put your hands together for the Lord today? So before I dismiss you, let me give you your homework. I like to give homework. I'm, I'm so, such a mean teacher. I wish that this week that you would look, recognize decisions that you have to make. And I want you to, to point them out. Maybe write them down. Maybe it's in your marriage. Maybe it's on the job. Maybe it's in friendships. That you had a, a decision to make. I want you to recognize it. And then I want you... I want you to write down the options that you had. I want you to look for virtue in your marriage. I want you to look for virtue as you parent your kids. I want you to look for virtue where you can choose virtue in the workplace and jot it down. Because when you start to recognize all the decisions that you have to make, because here's what I believe, that sometimes you've just gotten into a habit and a pattern of cutting corners and you don't even realize you're doing it. It's so easy, it's just become such a habit. But we can start breaking some of those today in the name of Jesus. And we can start choosing virtue instead of hurting people and hurting ourselves. So let me pray over you as I dismiss you. Lord, we love you, thank you. Thank you for a time together today, Lord, with some amazing people, imperfect people, but people who are all saying, Lord, we're trying to get we're trying to get to heaven together, and I thank you for being present today. Lord, I thank you for allowing your spirit to work today. We honor you. Keep your hand upon us as we go and bring us back in the house for prayer tomorrow morning at 6 a.m. For it's in Jesus' name I pray, and everybody said amen. 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 Hey, as you leave, if you can get up early, meet me here tomorrow morning at 6 a.m. all week for prayer. We're going to have coffee and worship and prayer, and you will not regret it. God bless you. Have a great rest of your weekend.